0: If you're ready to confront your destiny, if this is the moment that you've been praying for, tune in and listen to your cosmic cheerleader, Commander Lady Athena, for Cosmic Pep Talks, for Closet Christ. The show is the voice of the Ashtar Command. The call is for you to step forward into your greatness. Be listening on Wednesday. We have an appointment with destiny. Greetings in the love of the one supreme spirit of which we are each an embodiment. I'm Commander Lady Athena, and you're listening to the voice of the Ashtar Command, Cosmic Pep Talks for Closet Christs. Our seminar topic is, Without Illusion, I Am God. Without illusion, I am God. So if you're ready to have some tea with this thought, to give it some contemplation, let's get started. Take a deep breath with me, and release everything but this moment, here and now. Take another deep breath and breathe in life and fill yourself with life, all the way down to your toes. Take another deep breath and fill yourself with light and radiate it to every single cell, molecule subatomic atom of your body. And now visualize every single cell in your body radiating like a sun, filling your entire internal self, your external form, and radiating beyond the skin shell of your physical form. Keep extending those rays. Keep extending and expanding the self, the being, the divinity that you are. Why stop? Fill the planet. Go beyond the planet. Fill the solar system. Why limit yourself? Fill the universe. Keep going. Fill the galaxy. Keep going until everything in creation like a tiny island within the center of your being. That, beloved, is you without illusion. And now we're going to chant you three times which brings in the resonant field of that which is nameless and formless, the divine spirit of life itself. Take a deep breath. You. chant brings forward the quietness of the mind. Be aware that that which is listening is the self. The one speaking is the self. The one listening to the speaker is the self. Whoever and whatever you may perceive, seemingly in the outer world, is but a reflection of the self. And moreover, the state of consciousness that is the self. Now, each of us can only perceive, see, understand, comprehend that which is consistent with the state of consciousness that we're in. That's why everyone lives and operates in a very different world. I find that amazing. So interesting to inquire of of whoever you are with, whoever you meet. In fact, you can listen to them for a few minutes and begin to see the kind of world that they have created for themselves. Very interesting. Each person sees a world consistent with their state of consciousness. You know, perhaps some of you were a bit shocked at our title tonight. Would it make more sense to you if we called it Without Illusion... I am immortal life. Same thing. You see, you are drawn to these particular discourses, seminars, if you will, because you're ready to hear truth unadorned. Without the fluff, without the illusion, without the... In glamourment that conceptual thinking always brings forward, you're ready to know, truly know who you are. You see, enlightenment is not a change at all, but simply a recognition, a recognition of that which is already in you as you has always been you and can never be modified or changed by its illusory passage through time, space, and becoming. It's not something that you are learning or having to become It's something that you simply need to recognize. How would your life be different? If you realized you're living an immortal life right now, a life that will never end, a life that keeps expanding, and greater and greater love, greater and greater creativity, greater and greater ecstasy of being that has no beginning, no ending, but is a co-creative divine emanation that is totally untouched by the dreams of birth and death, time and space, evolution, and all such concepts. How would your life be different? You know, so often we think of there being a point in which we can leave life or depart life or somehow nullify or negate our existence. And do you know that's impossible? You are the divine spirit of life itself. So this, this is a straight talk that is targeted to you who are drawn to listen to these seminars because you are the awakening ones. You are the mastering ones, the self-mastering ones. You are the emerging Christs from the closets of limitation. And speaking of Christ, Christ is but another name for our true self, unadorned. Christ is the Greek word for what is basically the anointed one. You are the anointed one the uniquely begotten love of God. So everyone on this planet has come in to answer five questions for themselves. You have to answer them for yourself. Although myself and others can tell you some answers, They're not going to mean anything until you have gone within yourself and answered these questions for your own satisfaction and realization. The questions everyone seeks the answers to. Number one, who am I? Who am I? Where have I come from? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What happens to me when I pass away? When I depart this world? Have you answered those questions for yourself? Have you contemplated deeply on that? Because that's what is required. When someone passes away, where do they pass away to? This seems to be a nebulous area for most people, even lightworkers. I used to wonder why they put RIP, R-I-P, in post when somebody passed. And then I realized, oh, it stands for rest in peace. And I thought, how odd. Nobody rests. What rest is there? The only rest is being immersed in the divine. So what happens? You pass from one room of consciousness into another. That's all. You do it every time you fall asleep. You do it every time you soul travel. You do it every time you have any form of -of out-of-body experience. You do it every time you daydream and wool gather. You do it every time you imagine and visualize yourself being somewhere else. You have passed from this dimension, this perspective, this this particular room of consciousness into another. The only difference when you finally depart the third dimensional physical form is that you can't go back to where you came from. You can't re-enter the world that you just exited. You have to go on into that next state of ongoing life but you go exactly as the same person you were before. Are you any different when you move from your living room into your kitchen? No. It's exactly the same thing. You never lose a sense of identity, ever. In fact, the more you near the full realization of who you are as a uniquely created emanation of the divine, the more unique and individualized you become in your character, in your expression. In fact, a, a true master is like a constantly changing kaleidoscope. The kaleidoscopic consciousness is constantly reflecting the collective consciousness because at that stage you've become unified with consciousness itself, the vast ocean of being, with all the individual little ripplets that represent our different points of view arising like waves and dissolving back into the collective. One who has attained full God-realization simply reflects all of those waves, all of those permutations of consciousness, but rests in the totality of it all. When you're with a really enlightened soul, you notice they're constantly changing. I noticed that when I was with the cosmic avatar, the cosmic Christ avatar, Satya Sai Baba. He was like the depths of the ocean, constantly changing, In the different shades, if you watch the ocean, you'll notice it keeps changing its movement and its color and its the perception of depth reflects the sky and the weather patterns and the light of the sun and the moon. But it's never the same. Sometimes it's agitated. Sometimes it's mirror clear and calm. And I observed him. I observed all the different manifestations of God that we have conjured up in our imagination. I saw them flitting across his countenance minute by minute. I would see Krishna. I would see Rama. I would see Jesus. I would see all of the different names and forms flit across his face. Some would actually transfigure his form momentarily. It was quite amazing, but every second his mood would shift and change, and we are exactly the same. We blame ourselves often because we're not so-called static (laughs) in our presentation as if that were some virtue I'll tell you, it's impossible. The more you expand your beingness, the more variegated, kaleidoscopic, and ever-changing is your presentation as energy, consciousness, awareness. That's all we are. Energy, consciousness, awareness. And that keeps expanding and is ever more creative. You think you're creative when you paint and sing and write and compose and and create all sorts of beautiful objects in the world? Imagine how creative you are when the very bliss of your being births universes and galaxies and worlds, yet to be adorned by your masterful touch. Only you create with bliss, with living light, with living sound, the living word. That is your paintbrush. That is your musical instrument. That is the essence that births worlds. You see, here we create by the mind. Very different. As you expand your awareness and recognize who you truly are, your very vibratory essence, which is bliss itself, creates. That's the difference. What the mind creates has temporality to it. It's affected by time and space and causality. But when you create from bliss, it is immortal. How can we comprehend a world like that when we live in a world seemingly governed by birth and death and the passing away of things? Well, that's what we discover when we become self-aware. Have you ever had an experience out of body? I remember I was uh, driving my car. Uh, actually, I was driving in Las Vegas many years ago. And I had just come from being with my teacher. And she had been talking to me and leaning against the statue of the lion. That was part of our display at this convention. And after she withdrew her arm from where she had been placing it on the statue of the lion, I, wanting to pick up on her vibration, leaned against the lion myself. And it filled me with her energy because she was a very enlightened woman. So I got in my car and left the convention center. And all of a sudden, the increase in vibration shot me out of my body. And I was above my body, looking down on it, seeing my hands on the steering wheel and feeling more alive than I was when I was actually in my body. And I thought, wow, I'm not my body. And I never forgot that experience. I think once you've had a really good out-of-body experience, you know forevermore that you're not the body. I mean, look at it this way. Your body is the biodegradable, shipping container that you came here in. And like all biodegradable things, it corrupts eventually and returns back to its respective elements. Right? Is it uh, possible to immortalize the physical body? Yes. But it's a very difficult path that not all masters opt for. For one thing, we have much finer vehicles of manifestation or bodies that are like, we could look at it as a closet full of different outfits appropriate to different planetary systems we might like to visit, Okay, So we have higher and finer and more appropriate attire For the other dimensions that we operate in. Basically, we have seven vehicles of manifestation, or bodies, or subtle bodies, if you prefer. We have the physical. We have the astral. We have the causal. We have the mental. We have the etheric. We have the soul. And we have the spirit the soul is often called the jivi or the jivatma, and the spirit is usually called in Sanskrit the atma. And those constitute the seven bodies that we all have. That's the standard issue, if you will, for anyone's incarnation. And as you move to higher and higher vibratory manifestations of your consciousness and your state of being, your vibration, a new and finer and more refined vehicle is appropriated. But ultimately, all of those energetic vehicles become subsumed and unified into the one divine Atmic Self that is the immortal God Self. That is the ultimate being that we are. Very often that's called the I am presence. Many of you are familiar with that term. Esoterically it's called the monad. Or simply the spirit. So I think you can tuck in there with your understanding somewhat. That we don't begin and end with our shipping container. (laughs) We are not our body. We are so vast that no body could possibly contain who we are. Now, the body and all of the bodies beneath the body that we would call the soul, they are changing from minute to minute. So they cannot possibly be who we are. We are the changeless one. We are the one from which all of the many emerged. We are the one self that said, I am all alone with no one to know my love, no one to receive my love. Therefore, let me become many that I may give and receive love. Through relationship. So voila, all of this variegated display of men and women and all different descriptions of characters and role play emerged out of that one. And in ultimate sense, you are that one. Now, this understanding is very deep and profound, and each, as I've said, has to be realized through your own inner inquiry. It's said that it's very simple to realize the true self. It can be done in only 11 minutes if one is completely focused and sincere in intention, without any wavering. It has to be 11 minutes. Deep Vicharana, deep inner inquiry. So put simply, God with ego is man, man without ego is God. Now, we're not talking about ego as a sense of uh, accomplishment or vanity or self-importance or arrogance. No, that's not the definition that we're using for ego. Ego is the sense of a separate identity apart from the all that is. Ego is the notion of separation, separation from love, separation from God, separation from another person. That is the ego. The ego is identifying with that which changes, that which is impermanent, that which is bound by time and circumstance and concept and belief. That's the ego. Now, that ego is lodged as a... A tiny little notion that registers in the brain, and some say it's about the size of a peanut. You can actually locate it in the brain, this sense of egoic selfhood. And it's, it's dissolved by the light of awareness. As you meditate, as you contemplate, as you inquire deeply into the nature of who am I? Where have I come from? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What happens when I die? When you go deeply into this contemplation, if they would do, and they have done, an MRI of a person in that state, and if they did consistent MRIs, you would see the light itself of that cognitive sense of realization begin to dissolve that tiny little portion in the brain that color point in the brain, that vibratory essence in the brain that we define as, quote, ego. So these things can be seen now and measured. We don't have to take these things on faith anymore. Science, enlightened science, science and spirituality merged will be the vehicle of revelation from now on throughout the Aquarian age, as we call it for the next 2,500 years, enlightened science, science with spirituality, merged as one, will be the vehicle of revelation. In the prior age, the Piscean Age, it was religion. Now, it's science. But not godless science. Divine science. And so that's why now we have the Mechanism so that we can actually measure and register the shifts and the changes of the brain as the brain receives higher transmissions of enlightened awareness into it. The brain is a receiver, interpreter that receives the light from the higher mind or buddhi, or soul, whatever you want to call that. Higher awareness beyond the mind, beyond the brain, I'm trying to say here. So the brain is different than the mind. The mind is your field, usually, of conceptual definitions. But beyond that lower mind of conceptual notions, There is a field of unconditioned awareness. And it's that field of unconditioned awareness that we call forward in each of our seminars. We are evoking it. We are provoking it. We are calling it forward. Because where else and when else are you going to have that opportunity? You have to create a place and a space and an excuse (laughs) to, to look into yourself, don't you? Well, of course. Otherwise, you just do the same old, same old, humdrum, 3D, beta level, chit-chatty social self. And so we move from mass social consciousness, where everybody pretty much thinks and lives the same way. They're all in the same uh, mosh pot, whatever you call it, uh, of sameness. You don't find too much individuality in the mass consciousness. They watch the same TV, they eat the same food, they drink the same drinks, they talk the same talk. You don't see anything unusual in people until they begin to become more distinctly attuned to their own unique personality. And then they'll develop usually a sense of beauty, a sense of uh, um, they'll go into some form of artistic expression. Generally, when they begin to move out of mass consciousness, they begin to become creative in some way, and then they begin to develop a higher sensitivity, like uh, oh, telepathic rapport, sensitivity, um, empathy, the ability to to touch into and associate and relate with other people and where they're coming from. And that begins to develop their psychic abilities and awareness, in in many cases. But it doesn't stop there. Then the consciousness begins to expand more and more into self-inquiry. Through meditation, through whatever spiritual path or practice that you do consistently, you begin to awaken the awareness of the soul, or the buddhi, or the jivatma, the individualized sense of of, uh, your divine self. That moves into soul awareness, where you begin to see life from the higher balcony. Kind of a a detached observer begins to come forward, and you watch the show, you watch the parade, but you don't get overly sucked into or identified with the show or the role that that character, which is yourself in the personal, um, operating on the stage. You, You can watch it from the higher awareness. That's soul awareness. But that expands, too, until you awaken into what is called God-realization. And in God-realization, you begin to awaken as that divine presence that is indwelling every life form. You begin to experience yourself in everyone as the all that is. That's not a state that very many can retain in the physical body, Generally, it's achieved by long periods of silence and, and solitude. Not always, but in many cases, at least in previous lifetimes leading up to this one. And then when it is attained, particularly if you're in a Western body where this is not understood and not tolerated very well, it's usually categorized as some form of psychosis, you have to be very careful if you god relies. You really have to dim down and dumb down enough to be able to pass muster, so to speak, in this world so that you don't look too goofy, too spaced out, too ecstatically God-absorbed. Unless you're in a nunnery or a convent or a monastery or an ashram, it's really not safe to live like that in this Western world. So you have to be grounded in some way that looks normal so that they don't give you problems and cart you off, (laughs) put you away. So we learn how to to live divinely and at the same time be grounded and be able to function really well. And when you get beyond a certain point, it's very difficult. Now there is a stage called Sahaja Samadhi, which is even higher than Nervikoppa Samadhi. Nirvikalpa means the awareness of the self without an agitation, without a departure from that awareness. It's steady awareness that you are God. And generally, if you hold that state beyond a certain period of time, the body drops away. So it's not something that you can live in that state and operate um, quasi-normally in the outer world. But there is a state even higher called Sahaja Samadhi in which you can. It's difficult. You have to learn that fine line. You have to walk that fine line where you recognize beyond a certain point when you raise your vibration beyond that bliss point, if you will, you're going to dissolve in pure light and so is the world around you. And then you're going to look really odd. <laughs> To, to the people around you and they're going to become afraid. So you have to learn not to go beyond that point. Now those of you, like myself, who are called to be teachers in the world, we have to discern that fine line. Okay? Very important. And you find it through experience. You find what it does, what, what, whatever it is that lifts your vibration into invisibility. where everything turns into light because you see that's the reality everything is divine light there is nothing but God and God is light and life and love and awareness and bliss that is God God is the very life force that's breathing you beating the heart It's the very essence that hovered above the body when I was driving the car and saw the body as something very distinct from what I am. Now, you will be able to have that experience yourself when you have an out-of-body experience. And again, I remind you, every time you go to sleep at night, you have an out-of-body experience. There's ways to train yourself so that you become more aware and lucid. The Tibetan Buddhist training, for example, has has lots of dream yoga, books on dream yoga, that teach you how to basically do lucid dreaming, where you wake up in the dream state and realize that you're in a dream, that you're out of the body, that you're in a dream. There's also training in uh, mental projection, far memory, um what 's it called uh astral travel astral travel uh when you astral travel, you can only travel in the astral realm and you 'll see a silver cord attached to your navel, which is really attached to your astral body that kind of you know like the astronauts when they go out and walking in space, they have that little tether that's that's t- connects them to the spaceship it 's kind of like that. <clears throat> And, and you, you can, as I said, only travel in the astral realm. Now, what I teach and what I have been trained in is to move into the soul body, which is omnipresent. You're not limited to just the astral body. And when you soul travel, you go out through the third eye or the top of the head but you don't exit from any of the lower chakras. When you astral travel, you're exiting from the solar plexus. That would be the same type of process that's called the uh, second attention or dream time, uh, that the indigenous elders take uh, various uh, herbs to externalize into the dream time. That's where you're using your astral body or what is called the nagual. The nagual would be the, another term for the, um, astral body. So when you use something that is connected, um, to the, the solar plexus chakra, you're limited to that lower dimension. Doesn't mean it isn't interesting and, uh, that you shouldn't do it. I think all experiences are, are are good, you know, if you make good use of them. But just saying, there's a higher way. In the path that I teach and that I'm a a student and proponent of, it's called Sarat Shabda Yoga, which is the yoga of the divine light and sound currents. In that yoga, you never work any lower than your brow chakra. That's the Christ center. That's the center of the soul. And you travel out from that third eye, Actually, you're traveling inward, but it feels like you're projecting outward. Or you go straight up through the top of the crown chakra. That takes you into the soul body, and then you have unlimited access as far as you're, you're allowed, you know, based on your, your uh, level of consciousness, your level of initiation. You're a level of purification and um, ability, those are the only things that would limit you from traveling anywhere, really, because the soul is omnipresent. So it can function in and out of time. How do you develop that? You need to be trained and initiated by a master that specializes in that training. There's a whole lineage of those masters in the, the Sikh uh, uh, tradition In India, um, there's a whole lineage of them here in America through the movement of spiritual inner awareness that I'm an initiate of. Also through a group called Ekankar, which I'm also affiliated with. So they train you in how to move in and out of the different dimensions in your soul body. And it's done by training you in a process called spiritual exercises, which is an active movement of your inner awareness through those levels. It's not the passive form of meditation that most people sit. They try to quiet their mind, and they're not going anywhere. They're just sitting there trying to quiet their mind, which is pretty impossible. But they're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for some enlightenment to occur, and it, you know, isn't very effective. When you do a spiritual exercise, you're actually taking the initiative to move your awareness beyond the thoughts, beyond the body, beyond the phenomenal world itself. And it is done through writing the sound current, the sound current which you actually hear in the center of your head, and the light, which you actually see in the third eye area, again, in the center of your skull. So it's a training that um, once it has been uh, consciously connected, you're always connected, but you're not conscious of it until someone initiates you and makes you aware of that light and that sound within you. And then... You're off and running. (laughs) And that's a a very, very direct and fast path to God. The beginning path has to do with the light. The more advanced spiritual path has to do with the sound current. And it's a very specific path. And you'll find that all the paths that do not include the sound current um, only take you to the lower realms, but they don't take you beyond the phenomenal universes. So there is a whole realm, a whole world, uh, many realms and many worlds that are of divine creation, that are not affected by time, space, evolution, becoming, personal effort, all of that. It's like the, the personal self can create a certain atmosphere, a preparedness, a purification, if you will, uh, to a certain point. But God-realization is an act of grace that is unattainable by man's efforts. So back to, to the question, can, can a human being immortalize their physical body? Yes. But is it Advisable? Is it goal fitting? Which is why many avatars don't immortalize their bodies. They discard their shipping container when it wears out. And they take on another form where they work in the subtle body. They don't need to have a form. We don't need a physical form. Uh, but it's helpful if you want to show up in time-space in the third dimension. Then you need to take a physical body. Many masters create what is called a maya virupa, which is an illusory form. Literally, that's what it means. Maya, illusion, virupa, form. They will create a mental form, maya virupa. They will mentalize. They will actually meditate into existence, a form that they can move into to appear before you if that's necessary. They're adepts at that. They can move in and out of forms at will because they have mastered that ability to create. There's another process called kaya kappa where you go and you take certain herbs and, and you do very difficult spiritual practices, usually in the Himalayas. In fact, the herbs can only be seen by someone at a certain state of vibration, a certain heightened state of consciousness makes things that would be invisible to somebody in a lower state. So say you were destined to immortalize your physical body, you would be able to see these herbs. You would be able to connect with a yogi who could guide you through the Kayakop process and put you through the stages of meditation, purification, the taking of the herbs, whatever it is, and you could immortalize your body. For how long? Well, that's a, a good question. Personally, and I have done as a yogi many of these practices myself, I have seen my immortalized bodies that uh, when I was a Buddhist. Um, and obviously, um, I'm here <laughs> in another biodegradable container. So what was the point? I think probably I found out that wasn't a very effective way to become immortal. That's what I think. Because true immortality is when you, like Jesus the Christ, have totally transfigured your atoms through intense love of God, intense devotion, until your whole body has become filled with light. And I believe Jesus the Christ was the first one in history to actually resurrect his body through the power of the Holy Spirit within him. That's why he stands out unique, I believe, amongst the the masters that have come on this planet to demonstrate the higher way, to demonstrate the way that is done through fiery, intense, bhakti, real love of God. So you can't do through mechanical means that which only can be consummated through intense, fiery devotion. And, uh, well, what can you say? You, you, you really need to, uh, contemplate the majesty of that example that Jesus brought forward on the planet. And yes, there are many yogic practices Buddhist practices, and perhaps others that I'm not aware of, where there's a certain degree of immortality that one can attain. But again, I truly believe and personally have experienced to some degree the fact that man alone can only take his spiritual practice so far. And then that sense of personal doership has to fall away and you have to become totally, completely surrendered to the divine. There is no substitute for that in my experience, in my awareness. You have to get to the point where you die daily to everything you think you are, everything you think you've done, We have to lay it all down and be born again of the spirit. And that only happens when we come to the end of our doingness, when we come to the end of ourself. When we've done everything, tried everything, done every seminar and read every book, and you know, you just get, after a while, completely worn out and disillusioned. Because of yourself you can do nothing. It is the indwelling Lord within you that does all things. We have a built-in limitation factor where the divine alone can complete us. By ourself, we are not effective. We fall short, we burn out, we get tired, we get discouraged, we give up, which is a good thing. The best thing that can happen to you, that can happen to a human being, is that you become so sick and tired of being sick and tired, so completely fed up with this world, so completely been there, done that, so sick of it, had enough, When you get to that stage, nothing greater could happen to a human being than you become completely discouraged, disappointed, disillusioned, disenglamored with the things of this illusion that you call a life, which is not a life at all. It's a living hell and a nightmare. This third-dimensional outpicturing is hell struggle to survive, pain, agony, loss, disappointment. It's meant to be that way. Otherwise, you'd never have any impetus to go beyond it. How did we get here? Well, we got here because we had a silly little thought that we forgot to laugh at. The silly little thought was, what would it be like if I was separate from God. And we forgot to laugh. But because we're creators, just made in the image and likeness of our creative source, a whole world of perception arose from that one silly thought. And that's what we call this world that we're living in. And so now, with the help of the indwelling spirit, the spirit of truth, we are being awakened to the real world beyond this one. It is a world of light and loveliness and grace and happiness and really pleasant experiences. It's called a happy dream because if you woke up from this version of of the world to absolute realization, you wouldn't be able to handle it. So there's an interim period that we call the awakening when you're starting to awaken spiritually. In the Course in Miracles, it's called the happy dream. But you you begin to shift into a more positive, happy, and fulfilling life. But then there's that aching longing to return home, which keeps you motivated into doing the spiritual practices that gradually bring you into the awakening into the world beyond. The mind has to be trained to see as God sees. That requires a supernatural assistance of the indwelling spirit of truth that we call the Holy Spirit, which is the inner master for every man, woman, and child. The one teacher, the one master, the one voice that speaks for God is called the Holy Spirit spirit and that really is another aspect of your own self but it is the part of us that comes alongside us and brings us into that healed perception that we call the atonement where the mind is restored to sanity where the mind comes into alignment with the soul where the mind patterns after the christ the anointed one And through that becomes the way, the truth, and the life everlasting. And in that state, you begin to have the illusions corrected in your mind internally that prevent you from simply seeing that you are God, that you are divine, that you are immortal right now. It's not something you're becoming or that you will be one day. Right now, you are God, and you are immortal. Because enlightenment is not a change at all, but simply a recognition. God with ego is man. God with a sense of separation is man. Man without ego or sense of separation is God. And the Christ is but our true self, unadorned, without that illusion. I love the statement of Jesus from A Course in Miracles. He said, I quote, If you want to be like me, I will help you. If you want to be something different, I will wait until you change your mind. And you will change your mind. If you want to be like me, knowing we are the same, I will help you. If you want to be something different, I will wait until you change your mind. And you will change your mind. So Christ has been greatly misunderstood Jesus has been greatly misinterpreted, not understood, relegated to a small religious minority, you know, in the bigger picture, minority. And yet, the Christ, the uniquely begotten love of God, uniquely begotten Son of God, the beloved of the Father, as but yourself, your true self, unadorned. You are the holy one of God. Let no one tell you different. You know the truth that you and God are one. Roar it forth with every word. Embody your full presence. Walk the earth ascended whole and free. Walk the earth in radiant divinity. There was a song I used to sing that the Holy Spirit gave me. And it's the truth. It's the truth. You are the Holy One of God. You are God. You are immortal life itself right now. Embrace of it, why don't you? Consider it. Contemplate it. The more you keep company with such thoughts, the more you will awaken to who you've always been. And the more your life will be filled with beauty and bliss and creative manifestation beyond your wildest imagining. So we've come to the end of our seminar. And uh, let's raise our palms, our hands, our palms outward. And from the center chakras of each palm, let's beam radiant light fill this entire planet, to touch to every man, woman, and child every sentient life form, which are all forms. There is nothing in sentient in all of existence. And so we bless everyone and everything with love, with light, with peace, and with a prayer that each awaken to the divine love that is And that they are an embodiment of. And we'll go out chanting on I Hue, which is a chant of empathy and oneness. Deep breath. Athena of the Ashtar Galactic Command, speaking on behalf of the United Feats of the Galactic Command, we bless you. Namaste.